Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. My name is Christian Gerbera, and this is a deep dive into the works of David Lynch and Jane Austen, and just looking at how maybe these works will intertwine, how maybe they won't, and just looking at what we can find. Just exploring the whole oeuvre of both <laughs> Jane Austen and David Lynch and all the adaptations of Jane Austen, obviously. Um, but we are not focusing on Jane Austen this week. We are doing the second part of our episode on Blue Velvet. And we hope you will enjoy it. Yes. So without any further ado, let's get on with it. All right. Here we go. Um, and then Sandy tells Jeffrey her dream that she had. And she said it was she had it the first night um, that they that she met him. And it feels very transcendental meditation to me. Um, uh-huh. There are a couple of other instances in David Lynch's work that I know of that, I mean, he's very into dreams. But the dream is basically, um, she dreams that the world is dark because there are no robins left in it. And then all of a sudden, all of the, and the robins represent love. And uh-huh. then all the robins come and the love, I guess, brings light to the world. That's a very simplified way of what what she said. Um, And Jeffrey turns to her after and goes, you're a neat girl. (laughs) (laughs) It reminded me a lot of his character on some peaks, like just like, so like happy-go-lucky and just like, I can picture David Lynch saying that too. Yeah. You're a neat girl. I was going to say, after hearing how his speech is from you, (laughs) it just makes sense. So are you. I mean, you're a neat boy. Yeah. (laughs) We've got to make that clear. Um, Yeah. So then he goes back to see Dorothy and offer his assistance. And she immediately does not trust him. But then immediately after that is like, I looked for you in my closet last night because I, I thought Jesus. she thinks of him as a magical closet elf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I think uh... she's so disassociated from reality oh, for sure. that she she's just like, oh, where's that closet guy who tried to help me last night? Who is he back kind tonight? To me for yeah. Once. And she, yeah, she was just living in this like alternate reality where she yeah. just is like, I need, it's like almost like representative of her need for like rescuing. She's like, I yeah. needed you. To, she was almost like she was mad that he wasn't there. Yeah. She was like, where were you? Yeah. I looked for you in the closet. That's where you belong. <laughs> where have you been? <laughs> Get back in there. Um, and uh, we go back to the club and see her performing again and everyone loves it. She gets a huge applause. Um, they're all very respectful and quiet when she's performing. And I just think. She must be the best thing that's happening in this town. I will tell you later when we get into the lost footage, there are a couple of acts before her, and Uh it's no wonder that she's the most popular thing in town. Oh, God. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, And so Jeffrey is there drinking his Heineken, watching her sing, (laughs) and he noticed that Frank is there as well, and he's very upset. But when Frank leaves, he he, um, follows him. So it's time for follow that bad guy. Oh, yeah, the the trailing scene. Yes. He follows him to this apartment building on the, I assume, the edge of town. Like a weird, like, I guess it's landlocked, so not shipyards, but like shipping container areas. And it was like this random apartment building in the middle of that, which I thought was so weird that I was like, how are you secretly following him in this, like, abandoned part of town? 
it was like, yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah, I, I thought that too because he's tailing him, and at first it's fine, but when it gets to this part place where it looks like no one should be, right? Like, how do you not notice a car right behind you? But I always think that in those kinds of scenes. Yeah, <laughs> always. I don't. I don't still know that there's anyone who has filmed a perfect tailing scene. <laughs> oh yeah, it's one of those things. But we also, um, and this was something from the uh, special features. Um, uh-huh. because he wanted it to look like there was a fact there was a factory in the background but he wanted it to look like the factory was moving and you know doing its thing so he they only had one light uh-huh. so they had this one spotlight and to make it look like a factory was running David Lynch made these little cardboard cutouts and uh-huh. moved them in front of the light and they had smoke billowing so that you see oh. this just like a spotlight and so he just created that at the moment because he said you know, th- there should be factory stuff going on. Yeah, I but, already caught that. Yeah, it was. That's I mean, so I wouldn't cool. have noticed it if I hadn't watched the, um, the special, special features. features. Um, and we wake up to again logs, logs, logs. <laughs> <laughs> Our new theme song. <laughs> and he says, "The town where people really know how much a woodchuck chucks." <laughs> <laughs> They're or really how much wood a woodchuck chucks. latching onto this like wood bark log. Yeah, it was uh, just idea. so funny. <laughs> Take advantage of it. Yeah, so he goes back to school to pick up Sandy, and um, unfortunately, Mike notices, and he looks so sensitive about it. Yeah, and I was like, of course she'd be dating the football player. Yeah, <laughs> I was but like, she doesn't care. Yeah, <laughs> He's I was upset. Gonna say, she's like, oh, I'll just figure it out later. Yeah. They go back to Arlene's diner. Jeffrey basically explains what happened, just in general sense. It's so funny that even though he obviously doesn't want to tell her everything, he still wants to talk to her. And you can tell that he's falling for her. So it's just like the two sides of him are just almost not talking to each other. (laughs) What I found so interesting about that was like uh, how he was, it seems like he was falling for both of the women at the same time. But like, you know, it was like his self was split into two halves. The light side, which was his like more happier. He was like more cautious about, his actions, I guess, mm-hmm. was with Sandy, and his darker, you know, in the muck side was with Dorothy. Yeah. And you can definitely see that with the women being like, you know, she, Sandy was like, you know, the <laughs> prim, proper, yeah. popular girl with blonde hair, and, you yeah. know, Dorothy is just like almost like grungy, you know, dark haired, like seductress almost. Yeah. It was like her and Sandy are like opposite. As opposite as you can get. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, and I, you know, you don't really see a lot of conflict within him about those two things. Like, no. you never see him feel guilty for Not falling for Sandy or vice versa. No, which I, I personally don't feel like he should because... Well, yeah, he's not really committed to He's anybody, not committed, so. <laughs> and technically Sandy is with someone else. Yeah, that's true. So I feel like, I mean, he's, it's just like, you know, I don't know how you wrestle with those two sides Especially the severity of the darker side. Yeah. Um, so, but he's telling her basically what he did last night in the tailing. So it's kind of a flashback. We get to see what he did. Um, he followed Frank around. Um, he saw the yellow man. He calls him the yellow man, who's really a uh, detective, detective Ding Dong uh, yeah. from later. And uh, the well-dressed man, who I guess is Frank, which is just weird. Yeah. In um, that disguise. Carrying an alligator briefcase. And... Um, they went to a murder scene where this guy was hanging out of a window and this woman had her legs oh broken. God, it was yeah. just a quick little thing. I don't know what it had related to, you know, their nefariousness, but I feel like maybe uh, Frank seems like the kind of guy who has like 
other side like crime hustles if that makes sense and maybe the guy owed him money or yeah it's probably a drug deal or something something because i didn't think i think they mentioned drugs (laughs) in the apartment yeah and jeffrey is taking pictures with a pinhole camera which is not something you buy at the store. You uh, either make it yourself or you make it from a kit. Yeah. And you have to like hold the shutter open for a certain amount of time to get the right exposure. And I was just like, what are you doing? How yeah. are you taking pictures <laughs> with detecting I, with a pinhole camera? I did not. I didn't know what those were. I had no idea what it was. And I was like, what is this homemade camera <laughs> contraption? Seems like it's so big. It's so and... funny. I feel like it was a joke just for like me and some other random photographers who know what pinhole cameras are. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe uh, David Lynch has a I'm has, sure like, he has camera his own pinhole camera. Yeah. He probably has several that he's made. Um, he probably only takes pictures with pinhole cameras. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically diners riding around in cars and walking are their whole relationship, Sandy and yep (laughs) quality time pg Um, quality time and they're both in the middle of this mystery and they are eating it up with a spoon they love it um they maybe do they kiss or they maybe kiss and she rightfully thinks uh this is not a good idea yeah i'm thinking you definitely should stay away from jeffrey it's not he's not a good place for you right now No, and i was like at this point he had he had kissed uh dorothy too hasn't he like Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been intimate with her. And I just was like, I don't know if maybe it's just because he's, you know, a man of the 80s or whatever. <laughs> like, a you know, like a you know young guy who's, you know, got these two beautiful women. But he's just, like, floating back and forth. Yeah, like, I mean, not, he doesn't care, but I'm thinking. Not caring at all. Laura Dern, let's stay away from yeah, Jeffrey. Like, but, on. you know, the heart wants what the heart wants. I guess and so. he's. I mean, he's about as dark, maybe, as she is willing to go. Like, Yeah, he's kind of like uh, the middle ground. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, she, Sandy definitely has a dark streak, too. You can tell. Uh, for sure. And so we're back to Dorothy, and we get the real sex scene. And the contrast between this scene and the previous scene with Sandy is just profound. Like, oh, you yeah. can, I mean, it's night and day, literally night and day. Yeah, and I wrote, I'm sure he won't be telling Sandy this part. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he's probably going to go ahead and just keep this part out. <laughs> and this is where she really wants him to hit her. And he says, no, I want to help you. And she basically starts kicking him out of bed. And that's when he decides, okay, well, I'm going to hit you because I don't want to get kicked out of bed. What? what? <laughs> I mean, I assume he obviously feels very guilty about it later. but um, Yeah, but it's just like one of those things where I, I don't know. I've just never had that like. I mean, I've never been in that situation, but, like, I just don't know. Like, that seems like something after you've witnessed someone else being so violent with her. Yeah, but, during... I mean, it's what she's begging for. I, I mean, know. she wants it. Yeah, it's, it's um, just so, like, oh. Yeah. Um, and it slows down when he, like, back answer, uh-huh. and it gets a very Bob Twin Peaks vibe. It feels like the devil is yes. entering. That's him. what I got too. When Because it happens a couple of times where the audio slows down. It's like this like scratchy, yeah. loud, but muffled. It was, I mean, it made it scary. I was scared. Yeah, I was it like, was oh. scary for sure. And um, But they have like a little post-coital moment. And um, she's, she's showing him. Uh, I think they look at like the picture. Or he's looking at the um, hat, her son's hat. And she feels very precious about it. But then they start to go outside. And who shows up but Frank? Yep. And I was wondering, 
did she want Frank to show up at that moment? Was she hoping that Jeffrey would be there as a protector, or was she trying yeah. to get him out before? Did she not know? I wonder if it, because I had um, she even thinking that far. I ahead? noticed that the camera kept panning while he's been there to the open window and the uh, the curtains billowing, and I kept wondering. I was like, why are we going back to this? Like it's intentional. I felt like that because it was like a third or fourth time, and then once he gets caught, I was like, was this like? The di- like the direction being like he needs to get out like now and right. it's not safe and that was like foreshadowing Frank showing up yeah and I don't know like I I almost I could see where she would maybe would want him to to be like well look who I've got like he's gonna protect me um, but then I feel like she regrets it almost like either immediately oh, yeah. after it happens or before because she is like Frank is awful yeah <laughs> he's, yeah no one can protect me from Frank <laughs> no he's he's just know, like terrorism guy. incarnate. <laughs> And uh, so Frank shows up. He's very menacing. And he's like, we're all going for a joyride. Yeah. Scary. I was like, thank you for naming this next section for me. Joyride. <laughs> um, so they're in the car. And this is when Jack Nance leans over and goes, we may all be killed. <laughs> <laughs> he was so like just goofy. And oh, my God. I thought I thought all his lines were so funny. Yeah. He's, he's definitely the best goon. Um, uh, Frank's like, we're gonna go meet a friend. We're going to Ben's house, and we um, go to Ben's house. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, um, were there three goons? It was three, yeah. right? Yeah. Another four. Frank and three goons. Yeah. So I yeah. don't know if that's something significant. That's, yeah. That's I don't well, know what a... it is, but number four keeps popping up. Hmm. Maybe people like to run in fours. We'll see. Um, so we get to Ben's house, and it is an ugly and strange place. Um, it's green and pink. Dingy. Uh, that's where I first noticed uh, Jack Nance the first time I watched it. <laughs> I uh-huh. hadn't really noticed him previous to that. but um, And there's it's just this odd assortment of fancy older ladies. Uh-huh. And men, I think, too. And they're just sitting on the couch. just Smoking and hanging reading out. Reading magazines. Um, ben is described as suave by uh-huh. Frank. And he is very unruffled by Frank's craziness. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, Frank's a wild card. Yeah, Ben is an interesting character. Yeah, I... Because he doesn't come across as menacing, but then he punches Jeffrey in the gut, and you think, oh, and he's keeping Dorothy's son, and he's a drug dealer. He's obviously just as bad as Frank, but he doesn't really come across as Yeah, he's not scary as, like... At uh, first. <laughs> yeah, outright with his violence. It's almost like subtle violence to me. Mm-hmm. I expected him to be, like... I don't know, like, I expected there to be more to him, almost, like, because I felt like we just got that scene, and that was it. Um, but I expected him to be kind of, like, I couldn't tell if he was um, this person who was intimidated by Frank all the way, like, he was being controlled, but also still in charge. Mm. If he was, like, doing this because he was scared of Frank, or if he was doing this because he, you know, f- he knew f- he was needed by Frank, and he was right. like, well... Nothing's going to happen to me. Well, I didn't really get the impression that he was scared of Frank. I, I think... The Maybe, only... like, he... He definitely seemed to have patience with him. Yeah. I it don't know. It seemed like... The patience, to me, almost seemed like um, he was having to... Like, it seems like he wouldn't normally put up with this. Like, he would be like, you know, like, you know, get out of my face with that bullshit. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like with Frank, he was like, I've got to keep my patience. He's a wild card. He's very violent. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. I just I couldn't tell because he was very much like a dominant person, but just in a different way. Yeah, but they seem to have some sort of relationship that was yeah. 
you know, good with each other, at least. Yeah, like, almost like two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And maybe almost like brothers. Maybe. They could be brothers. That's what I got. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Frank punches Jeff in the face, and then Ben punches him in the gut, which I guess just cements his badness. Yeah. Um, And we find out that he's keeping, he's the one who's got Dorothy's kid, and Frank lets her see him, and from what we can hear behind the door, it seems almost like they've been almost brainwashing the kid a little, you know, like in the way of, not to be too topical, but, you know, yeah. when you see the videos of the kids. Reunited um, with their parents. Yeah, and they're yeah. just like, I don't know. Um, from the, um, what would you call, I mean, concentration camps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you can't even trust these matronly looking women because they're no. obviously not good. They're brainwashing the yeah. child we don't know what where don is unless no. he's that guy in the mask in the corner that never moves <laughs> yeah there's I... a, someone in a porcelain mask in the back corner mm-hmm. who never moves <laughs> i vaguely remember that i i did kind of get that idea of like how how different almost like the women and the men are in this movie how about how the men all seem to be very like extrovert and like mm-hmm. very loud with their personalities and all the women are seem to be very demure yeah um and i guess these women could be like the behind the scenes like brainwashing of the kid oh and i mean probably I'm even um sure Dawn. Of it. <laughs> yeah so they're still like it's like almost like weird because they don't present as outwardly as evil no but you kind of come to that conclusion no they look like a bunch of primal ladies librarians <laughs> <laughs> um and then we have a really interesting roy orbison karaoke scene Oh, yeah. Where Frank is lip singing. Well, I guess Ben is really lip singing, but also we can see Frank is singing along. Um, there's a good story in the special features about how one of, I think it was one of the local people who was like doing props. They had something as a fake microphone, and David Lynch wasn't happy with it. So uh-huh. he went back into the prop room to try to find something else and just saw somebody holding a work light and was like, oh. That might be really cool. I showed it to David Lynch, and he was like, "I feel like I made a good contribution." Yeah, <laughs> and I, I love that because you know, whenever I'm involved in a group project, if like the one little thing that I do gets kind uh-huh. of featured and looks cool, I I just feel like this little pride. So yeah, I felt I, for the I felt like real good for that guy. <laughs> yeah, I felt like that was super memorable too because oh yeah, it worked really well. It like seemed very abstract from you know it like you know how you said um. Brecht, like taking you out of it like mm-hmm. using like this thing that's clearly like not it's yeah. a cl- overtly not a microphone but it kind of has the shape of an old school microphone. right and it adds that eerie quality with the light on yeah. his face and it just felt like i got taken out of it i love all the music scenes and it reminds me of twin peaks yeah especially the new ones um where yeah, they have the ending credits is always yeah. a performance you can tell david lynch really is very influenced by music oh yeah um um, apparently, Roy Orbison did not originally want them to use this song, and they did some. Oh, they had to do some sort of like I'm not even sure how they managed to do it, but they did some sort of a shenanigan so that they could um, be able to use it. Uh-huh. But then uh, later on, Roy Orbison saw it and said he really liked it and thought the use was really good, and he even had di- uh, Lynch direct a video. Oh, cool! I think of that song. So then um, we're all standing in the doorway of Ben's house ready to leave and 
Frank goes, let's fuck. I'll fuck anything that moves. <laughs> and they all disappear like magic. <laughs> that, I, I thought it was so cool. I loved it. I thought it was like, okay, now we're getting like, I feel like as the movie progressed, we're getting crazier and crazier. Yeah, yeah. And this was like, all right, we're at the, we're like at the straight up peak craziness yeah <laughs> although we just... haven't really reached peak craziness no but... <laughs> i feel like it's now in that graph where you hit that straight upward almost yes, climb like yes. okay we're we're going <laughs> yeah it's non-stop from here um so they disappear and then we get joyride part two and there it's a very common lynch motif of people on the road we just see the darkened highway and the car headlights uh-huh. um Jeffrey is probably really regretting his fling with um, his Dorothy. yeah his, fling, his sex with Dorothy about now. Yeah. Um, all of the goons in the car have like the same anticipatory smirk on their faces. Right. And he's just he's like torturing Dorothy up in the front, just harassing her. He's got the helium mask again, and Jeffrey finally grows some balls and. Um, perhaps to his own demise, (laughs) he tries to stop what's going on. And that's when Frank takes him out of the car and starts um, psychologically torturing him at first. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's also when random girl who I didn't even notice the first time comes out of the car and starts dancing on the roof. I mean, I didn't notice her get into the car the first time. I was like, where did this woman come from? But second time I realized, oh, she came from Ben's house. But yeah. Um, just got in the car and was like yeah. swaying back and forth and that's what i was like okay this is so lynch so brecht so i don't know what it is <laughs> but um yeah it, it definitely adds some atmosphere and frank like puts on lipstick and starts kissing him uh-huh. it's, it's like i guess it's just like a psychological terror um it is very scary though the way uh-huh. he's behaving so and then also he's they're listening to that Roy Orbison song in dreams I walk with you and he's repeating them back in dreams I walk with you in dreams I talk with you and it's very creepy and then he beats the crap out of Jeffrey yeah (laughs) everyone beats the crap out of him Jeffrey wakes up in a lumber yard very Ronette Pulaski um it's on Meadow Lane um and he walks home all bruised and broken yeah, so he's back at home, and he kind of has a little mini breakdown. It was obviously a rough night. It was yeah. all a little too much for him. But it almost seems like what he regrets most out of everything is hitting Dorothy, because that's what he keeps yeah. replaying in his mind. Well, it's like, um, I don't know. Like It's just like I feel like he like you know viewed the violence obviously firsthand in the closet and then now has experienced the violence firsthand yeah participated in it almost. yeah and then it participated it by hitting her in her in her i guess technically most vulnerable state yeah. she's naked they're very intimate so it's just i don't know maybe yeah so i mean he does obviously have a conscience because <laughs> yeah um yeah so but you know He's still got to keep Sandy up to date. So yeah. he gives her a call. <laughs> He's like, hey, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Let me out. tell you, some shit went down last night. Um, and she insists that he tells her creepy dad. And he says, yeah, I agree. Your creepy dad is the one who should know. Detective creepy dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, he comes down for breakfast and the mom and the aunt are obviously concerned because he has been beat up. Yep. Um, but it's hard to really tell how much time is passing between any of this. This whole movie could take the place in three days, I think. Yeah, I, I, or, I kind of felt like that. Like there wasn't much time passage because 
I don't know, like, I feel like for all this to go down and for not a lot else to happen, I feel like Frank would have been, if it had been, like, a week or something like that, Frank would have been looking for the guy or if right. he had saw him back in town. Right. So it's hard to tell, but he doesn't look as beat up as I thought he would look. No. So he goes to the police station and he starts, he sees Gordon, who is uh, which bad cop. <laughs> I was a uh, twist. I had no yeah, idea. I was I, like, whoa. I, I, I didn't even try to look back and see if he was at all in the beginning when he first goes to the police station. I, yeah, I don't remember seeing him. He might be. I'm not sure. He might be, though. But that was like a yeah. crazy twist. But he, he's putting all the pieces together. Gordon is corrupt. Um, he's actually played by a local North Carolina guy. The guy oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, he basically busts drug dealers and then sells their drugs. Okay. That's, I think, his main scheme. Well, maybe that ties back to the murder of the guy hanging out the window. Yeah. Drug dealer. You probably. Know. He probably killed him and then stole his drugs. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then broke that poor woman's legs. <laughs> God, it was awful. Um, and so then Jeffrey, you know, he he beats it out of there and goes to Detective Dad's house. And he shows him the pictures, which he's pretty good with that pinhole camera. But he's showing him a picture. Oh, no, that's from the other thing. Um, but, yeah, we get to see nice, crisp pinhole pictures. <laughs> um, his dad, or not his dad, but uh, Detective Dad seems kind of shook, you know. Yeah. Oh, we've got some corruption going on. I didn't even realize. And I'm wondering at this point, can you even trust Detective Dad? Is he in on it? That's what I thought. <laughs> I was like, is he involved? Like, that's why I immediately when he was like, I've got to go to the police station. I kind of felt weird about it because at up to this point, he was like, well, I've got to handle it. Like, yeah. I've got to take the reins here and just do it myself. And I feel like in all these kind of movies where that's the trope, you can't trust anyone but yourself no. and your close circle. We don't know how deep this corruption goes. Um, and, yeah, but he does make Jeffrey promise to stop investigating and to keep Sandy out of it. And it's like, uh, too late, buddy. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, she's very much deep in it. Yeah, and then we have a little montage of domestic life again for Jeffrey. So I guess a little time passes between then and what happens next. He visits his dad in the hospital again. Now he is the one watering, watering the lawn. And mm -hmm. I said, be careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought to myself, I was like, watch out. <laughs> no strokes. Then they go, it's like a little date night with uh -huh. Sandy and Jeffrey. Yeah, they're going to the party. But before they can leave, Corrupty McGee, Yellow Jacket, Bad Detective, whatever you want to call him, Tom Gordon. Yeah, Gordon. Uh, Gordon. <laughs> I have so many names written down. Um, shows up, and we're a little worried. Again, we don't know totally if we can trust her dad. Yeah, I mean, and but also at this point, I was thinking, I was like, does Gordon even know? I don't think so, he but doesn't. he did catch a glimpse of him when he was the exterminator, so it's possible that... He's probably like, you look familiar. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously Frank didn't take any pictures, so it's right. like, how would he be able to tell? Yeah, and I doubt Frank just called up him afterwards and was like, you got to hear what happened last night with this kid <laughs> yeah. we found. <laughs> um, yeah, so they go to the dance, they go to a party, Um and he is not telling Sandy everything. And nope. maybe just because he doesn't want to piss off Detective Dad, um, because he made him promise, you know, not to bring Sandy into it. But right. they dance, and we get the song. Oh, I can't remember what it was called. I didn't write it down. Um, but it is Julie Cruz singing. I wrote down, this sounds like a Julie Cruz song. And she um, does a lot of the music in Twin Peaks. Oh, She's the okay. um, singer. Okay. 
and it was her. It was wow. the first time he worked with her as well. Um, and Lynch actually wrote the lyrics to this song. Bad Elementi okay. said um, when he got it, he was like, what is this? <laughs> it's like a piece of poetry. You want me to write a song to this? It's not written like a song. But, you know, I think he, it really it works. Work. Yeah. yeah. So we get um, them dancing and him and Sandy make out for a little while on the dance floor. Yeah. I think they say they love each other, which I was like, what? Yeah, that's what, that's especially. Romeo and Juliet, teenagers falling in love immediately. Yeah, that's when I especially was like, okay, how old are these people? Because this seems like very like 16, 17 year old kind of love where it's like, yeah, we've known each other for probably a month or two. Yeah. I think I count until maybe like 22 to be a teenager, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's true. I know it's not, but um, young adults. Um, Yeah, young adult love. Which is crazy. Yeah. And, you know, oh, well, you know, love is supposedly from her dream what changes the world. So I guess that's she's just love everybody. a believer in true Whether love. Whether they are loving multiple other people or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's such a wholesome looking party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like, I don't see any like, you know, I think they have a beer, but yeah. And drugs. And... They're all just dancing to country music. Yeah. Um, and I was, okay, right at that moment as, you know, Right after the party, I thought, did Sandy and Mike officially break up? Yeah. And then they start driving home. And at first, we think that Frank is road raging behind them and trying to yeah. pull off the road. And then we like, realized, uh-oh. no, it's Mike. So I was like, I guess they did break up? <laughs> Question answered. <laughs> it was so funny because like, they, he was like so worried. He was like, oh, my God, he's so violent. Like He was, he was like, Sandy, be careful. Yeah. And she, he pulled up next to him, and she was like, pissed off she was like oh my god it's just mike yeah and mike has his goons to yeah. mirror frank's goons I think uh, but they are not nearly as threatening no. i would be like oh, you're not scary at all you no. should see what i did last <laughs> <like> night children <laughs> um and mike is like oh i'm gonna beat your ass and then dorothy walks out and we get the real image of what i assume david lynch remembers from his childhood right of her walking out obviously broken and vulnerable like and naked traumatized and, and mike i think almost has a david lynch reaction i can't tell if he actually starts to cry but you can tell he feels like oh my god well yeah because he was like is this your girl and then he was like oh <laughs> wait yeah. a minute yeah and he feels really bad for being a shitty person <laughs> yeah because clearly this woman has been through it but his friends are still douches yeah and uh so and sandy is like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, there's a naked Who's woman. Who's this? I mean, you told me about her, but she is all over you. She's calling him my secret love, a.k.a. my magical quasi elf. Um, <laughs> and she's really putting a crimp on their young romance. And I just, I'm like, I'm poor Sandy, poor Dorothy. And there's just so much emotional trauma that's just swirling around the scene. And you just feel bad for everyone. Yeah, I wonder if there's anything to say, because like, the party and all like the you know normal day stuff that he was doing seemed so like juvenile like it was like yeah. all right we're watching a teen movie like yeah. we're going to the dance and, <laughs> and then now we're like gets home and there's you know yeah. an abused naked Soon woman the and then we're like immediately down. like yeah brought back up to like okay this is adult yeah and then so she's naked and we get the scene and i think this might have been the scene that everyone freaked out about back in the it day sounds, yeah it sounds but like a description re-watching it i mean i guess we're just so used to nudity yeah it's not even like they show her whole body they just no. show from her waist up and i thought this is the least i mean 
I don't yeah. know. It's, it's well, if you definitely think, pales. I guess small town North Carolina. Like, well, that's true. But I'm just thinking of the general movie going public at the time yeah. with all the critics. But I wonder if maybe they thought they didn't know what kind of movie it was going to be, like Blue Velvet. Maybe they thought it was just going to be like, oh, like yeah. I don't think it was classic. the nudity as much as just the violence of her body. How it gets like, under your skin, like this movie is just and how she is just like broken beyond like yeah. she's just like falling apart yeah it's very traumatic yeah so dorothy um how did she even get to his house i don't know well she does live down the street but i don't know i guess at some point we didn't see she, he must have mentioned where he lived maybe yeah because at first it looks like she's coming out of his house that's but yeah. i was like I Maybe don't think was... his parents would have just, or his mom would have been like, come in. Come in. Oh, you're <laughs> naked? We'll just wander back out on the street. It's fine. He'll be home in a minute. And I don't even think they go to his house after that. They go to Sandy's house. Yeah, they? they go straight to Sandy's. Yeah, which is weird because they're right outside of his house. But Yeah, maybe she was about to knock on that door. <laughs> yeah. But his mom is a little bit psycho, it seems, especially from some of the lost footage. So uh, it's probably uh, best that they didn't go to his yeah. house. Um, and Sandy is upset she says you lied to me but then within a second she forgives him within a second well it's just like yeah <laughs> you lied to me i forgive you <laughs> why but like it's also like it's one of those things where she was like you lied to me and i guess she's implying like lying by omission yeah but they weren't together well yeah so he and technically they barely know but it's each like other. a whole different level of relationship like she's like i don't know anything about you this yeah. is not what you were telling me i mean you told me but yeah, I guess me. it's like it's a little like jarring to see like, you know, you told me that she all this crazy stuff was happening, but you never told me you had basically a full on sexual relationship yeah. with this woman. <laughs> yeah, but she does forgive him very quickly. Um, yeah, they... I guess it's also jarring the language that Dorothy is using. Oh yeah, she's you know calling him my secret love and saying I need you. And... Yeah, especially when they get to the house. Yeah. She's just clinging on to him desperately. It's yep. and when they go to put the robe on her, she's like, it's almost like she didn't realize she was naked. You know, they put yeah. it on her. She's like, she's oh, like, oh, oh, that's <laughs> she's Bobby. so out of it. I mean, I just, yeah, I just, I don't even know what happened to her to get her into that particular state yeah. over the day. But it cannot have been good. Um, uh, him and Sandy say they love each other a lot. Um, yeah. Jeffrey. Okay, so Jeffrey decides. Oh. Dorothy asks him, you've got to save Dom, Don, not Dom. Um, and so he's like, well, okay, Detective Dad told me to say all this, but it's come back to me and I've got to save Don. <laughs> I've got to be the hero. Or I presume he's going to save Don. I don't know why else he would go back to that apartment because right. she's not there. Um, so Sandy is really worried. She's calling her dad while he's off going to the apartment. He walks into the apartment and we see a very disturbing tableau. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've got... Yellow jacket, dirty cop, with his brain blown out, but he's still standing there, still yeah. somewhat conscious, but obviously yeah, brain damaged. Bit. We see dead hubby Don missing his ear, tied up, but with he's blue velvet sticking out of his mouth. Yes, which is a callback to that first rape scene where they both had the blue velvet in their mouths. Right. Um, Maybe like his like calling card. Yeah. Um, we see. We cut back to. Frank's place and we see the cops show up there and they just open fire on the outside of the building gunfight and I at the time the first time I watched this I was thinking you're gonna kill her child who's in there but then I realized that's probably not Ben's place but there's still a million other apartments I mean there are other people who live there and they just shoot it up 
I don't. I wonder if it was like. I guess yeah. Yeah, they had name tags for the apartments. Yeah. Oh, I guess they were like, we don't care. <laughs> Maybe they got everyone else out, but they just shot at the apartment. He's not there, so it doesn't nope. really matter. And I, I don't know who gave Dirty Cop the head wound, Gordon. Uh, I assumed it was Frank because like maybe that had something to do with what happened with maybe she did it maybe Dorothy did it maybe that's that's part of why she was so traumatized I I was looking at the scene and I think um, the TV has a big like indent and like the glass Mm. is cracked so I was like did his head get run into did someone smash the TV did he run Mm. into I don't know what like it's yeah obviously something very disturbing happened that we didn't get to see but um, I wonder if they ever filmed it I wonder if it's part of the lost footage somewhere out there in the world Maybe, maybe it like maybe. explains it, but I, I feel like I got the impression that, um, because, uh, what's this called? Uh, Jeffrey was involved now and pro- he was like, I assume he's going to go to the police and Frank's with, uh, Frank, uh, Gordon's with the police. So I've got to uh, just get rid of all my people. Yeah. Yeah. There's, well, there's definitely some crazy stuff going on or that went on that we never got to see. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of got the impression like. Who, like the time differences between when the police shootout is happening and when we're getting to that apartment could be completely different. That's true. And that the police shootout, Frank could have escaped and been pissed that this, the police are involved now and then killed Gordon because of that. Yeah. And uh, Don. Yeah. Well, I, I almost felt like Don just expired from <laughs> trauma. From having his ear cut off with scissors. Yeah, he looked kind of like he had just withered away to nothing. Ugh. Um because I didn't really see any specific wounds, like no. death blow to him. I mean, his ear wound was wide open, so yeah. <laughs> clearly they didn't do anything to fix that. Oh, God. Um, so Jeffrey starts to leave when he sees the well-dressed man with the alligator the suitcase. Um, who We don't know who that is. Right. But we maybe think, is he assassin or something? I, I Yeah, I assumed he was, like, you know, another, like, high-level goon maybe or something. Yeah. Um but Jeffrey uses the radio to outsmart him. Although he doesn't intend to use the radio to outsmart him at first, he just, he's, he just realizes, oh, I'm dumb. He's got a radio. And so he uses it to outsmart him, which is actually fairly easy because Frank is obviously just, an idiot. Yeah, he's drug addled dummy, but he's yeah, also like, scary and horrible. <laughs> he's just erratic. Like, there's no thought process. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to when he is going down the stairs, sees the well-dressed man park and is walking up and then he kind of is like walking up slowly and then it peeks over the railing and the guy's just looking up at him immediately and i was like i got like immediate goosebumps chills <laughs> i was like this this is terrifying yeah because the guy looks crazy like you could tell that it's like i'm disguised because it's so unnatural so unnerving i was ugh, gave me the chills yeah yeah so um so he's he uh, uses the radio in the back room and then he hides in the closet the well-dressed man comes in and rips off his face. He's Frank in disguise. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. I did not get that <laughs> either. Um, and I'm thinking, what the hell are you going to do in that closet, Jeffrey? Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to protect you. Um, but Frank, is, he goes back to the back. He's, you know, crazy. He wants to kill him. He's huffing his gas. juice, whatever gas. Um, Jeffrey sneaks out and gets the gun off the cop, which is really smart. Yeah. I thought um, we were going to have revisit that knife that she's stuck behind the oh, radiator because yeah. it fell to the floor. I thought we were going to re- revisit that. but That would have been interesting, um, yeah. but we don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got a gun. So he's got the gun in the closet. He's huffing, and I'm thinking, 
just shoot him, just shoot him. And then he does. He shoots him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was like, oh my God. I thought he wasn't going to be able to do it in time because I thought when Frank was like the closet, I thought he was going to start firing at the closet already. I know. I but like, he kind of goes to the kitchen first thinking yep. he's back there. And it was. it's not until he kind of, it's a really well done piece of acting because it just shows Frank's craziness because he's like looking all around. And it's not until his eye just happens to catch the closet and he's like, oh, that's oh, where dun, it is. That's where Which it is. is like, was funny because that he went to the kitchen first because in my mind when he was like back in the room, I was like, I was like, Jeffrey should go and kind of the kitchen. Yeah. He was like, you should switch spots so that, you know, yeah. but that would have been bad. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been the first place. So he shoots him in the head and goodbye, Frank. And we see his brains. And this is the interesting, well, interesting, gross thing. Uh, David Lynch wanted real brains for this scene. So they oh. ordered some brains from Germany. And those are Whoa. real human brains. Human brains? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know you could buy brains from Germany, but apparently you can. Where was it? Oh, I, well, I've been listening to a lot of um, true crime podcasts about cold cases. Mm. And they've been um, talking about cadaver dogs and the way in Canada, most of them, um, there are like people who are like amateurs who get these dogs and train them to the standards of the Canada, Canadian police. And the way they do it is they teach them how to smell like bones and bodies and uh-huh. you can they said that you can order dead like human, human. parts on easily wow like, it's very easy to order them well so i thought uh, that makes sense yeah, that's so cool <laughs> yeah well gross. They, they used them in the <laughs> movie i don't think you really needed to but no probably silicone that's interesting it, it makes it i guess I mean, a lived in experience for the actor apparently david lynch used to have a thing when he was a kid his dad was like you're a weird kid or something like that because he would take dead things and make art uh-huh. out of them oh which you know yeah. i say go for whatever weird dark kind of art you want to make I mean, isn't that like kind of like the trope get your outlet like, in another you know yeah like young little boys like dead yeah like, rodents and gross i have shit. like like some dead bugs and stuff so yeah i mean that's like you know i feel like that's like normal it's not like he found like <laughs> A no. dead rotting like cat and was like let me make art out of this yeah it's probably just like bugs and other stuff yeah well, maybe one day we'll do a david lynch biography episode oh, yeah. that'd be a great idea so it's the climax he shot him there's brains and everyone arrives at the same time <laughs> sandy <laughs> comes in her dad Police, comes in ambulance just after all of the bad stuff has happened um him and sandy go out into the hallway and their love is fighting back the dark and yeah. they just make out <laughs> the, the hallway for a little while. <laughs> yeah. And we see the camera go back out with the ear, back oh, into the real yeah. world. I thought that was so cool. Um, that scene with all like the ambulance and the cops and everyone showing up at the same time, I feel like that's such like a common like ending yeah. kind of trope yeah. for a lot of movies. I, um, I don't know if you watch, the like, most recent one I can think of is um, the third season of Stranger Things. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've watched it yet. Yeah, I did. Um, when they, at the very end, when a Hopper, you know, goes away and everyone's there and there's like ambulances and blankets. Yes. And it just reminded me of that kind of trope. It's you, so used often. Yeah, but you don't often get the two young lovers just making out in the middle no. of all that chaos. <laughs> um, but their love is fighting back the dark. And um, once we travel back out of the air, everything seems normal. We've got dad is fine. Yeah. He's in the backyard. <laughs> I I don't know if that was Detective Dad with him or not, but um, Sandy's there. Um, Aunt Barb is it Aunt Barbara, Aunt something or other, and yeah. Mom are there. Um, and the world's fakest looking Robin 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like an animatronic straight from a Disney ride. Yeah, I was like, okay, <laughs> plastic bird. Actually, the Disney ride ones nowadays are much better than that one. Oh, yeah. Um, and the robin is eating the bugs, symbolic. Mm-hmm. The love is eating the darkness. Um, but Aunt, what's her name, says, I don't know anyone who wants to eat a bug. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, weird lady. As she's like eating something small and round, just like the bug. Yeah, oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Um, and then we're back out to see the fireman and the white picket fence. And we get a little touching scene of Dorothy yeah. and her son, happy. And we get a happy ending. Yes. Although it feels very dreamy. And I was like, there's no way that her and her son are going to have a normal, normal good life. relationship That's what I thought. after I was this. Like, but... <laughs> as we're panning out, I was like, I hope she's in therapy. Yeah. Um, but it felt good because I feel like the whole movie was so drenched in just like trauma and darkness and ugliness and violence. And the fact that we get this dreamy, like perfect, happy ending, yeah. I felt like that was like the perfect way to yeah. wrap up that kind Even of if it was a little eerily perhaps not real it's hard to tell but it still makes me feel good to have yeah at least dorothy and her kid are back together i mean (laughs) and it's like i i felt like uh isabella rossellini was she like her acting as movie was so good like her facial expressions because when she's in that darkness like you feel it with her body language and her face and when she at the very end when she's happy you can tell like she her she's just like at peace yeah it feels like she's like ah this is yeah no more. And all of the bad people are dead. Yeah, <laughs> So basically. she probably doesn't have to deal with any of that anymore. No, yeah. Thank God. And, uh, yeah, that's the end of Blue Velvet. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought maybe we could do an under the surface, but I think we basically covered it all. Um, I had written down, American surrealism, which uh-huh. we talked about a lot, the ear as the opening into another world, the bugs, um, the desire for danger, you know, uh-huh. their cookie cutter life and they just, or, you know, because they're already in some sort of trauma, they want more. Right. Um, and their desire to poke at taboos and just the pain and desire and how those two go together um, seems to be common themes for this particular movie. Uh-huh. And I didn't do a deep dive on a character specifically for this one, but I did watch the lost footage on the Criterion Collection, so I oh, thought cool. I'd tell you a little bit about it. Yes, please. Oh, and the first thing I wrote down, the thing I couldn't remember earlier, Ronnie Rocket is what the um, fabled name of the four-hour original cut is. Oh, Ronnie Rocket. I know, and I don't huh. know how that relates, but maybe it's a bunch of stuff that got cut out. Yeah. Um, so the lost footage kind of... The way David Lynch, I've noticed, I've watched a couple of his last footages, um, he edits them all together. It's not like, here's the scenes that are missing. He edits mm-hmm. it together like it's its own little piece of art. Oh, okay, cool. So it's not really in order, I would say, necessarily. Because uh-huh. it starts off with a scene, a Frank scene, okay. from the Joyride, where they go to uh-huh. like a bar and harass some guy. But the really <laughs> most interesting part about that is at the very end of the scene, there's this there's a bunch of naked women just uh-huh. around this pool table. I'm not really okay. sure what's the deal with this bar, but this one woman at the very end lights her nipples on fire. Oh. I think she has some sort of weird what? pasty candle thing going okay. on. I mean, it's not like her actual nipples, but something yeah, on her nipples. Com- it looks covering. like her nipples are burning. It's very 
Wow. Oh, okay. Weird. <laughs> huh. I wonder if it's like some sort of reference to like the surrealism movement, um, because there are a lot of other surrealistic references in his work, yeah. and the way that they portrayed women's bodies in like early works of art, like in surrealism, a lot of like they wasn't like positive towards women. It was very like objectification mm-hmm. and kind of like the um idolization of like not torturing women's bodies but like like doing whatever they want yeah like yeah. fetishizing like i don't want to say torture In some cases it was torture it was like grossly like <laughs> awful towards women right but i feel like maybe that's his reference to that and it, like maybe a less violent yeah. interpretation of it even if it's not a specific reference i'm sure it is a surrealist element <laughs> right it's definitely a um, and uh, we get a little at the beginning of the lost footage that is Jeffrey at college. Uh-huh. Um, so we get to see a little, the, it starts off with him. And I don't, I think it kind of works better to not have this scene in there just because you get it fine from the movie. You don't need it. Uh-huh. But he is at like a college party and he is up in the attic spying on this couple who are, uh, well, they're having sex, but it's really like the guy is basically trying to date rape this woman and he he stops them from doing it but it's like oh i can already see this weird like hero slash pervert complex yeah (laughs) like you start off as a peeping dom but then you just light in the dark you can't help it you gotta i mean of course if you see that happening you can't let it happen happen. yeah (laughs) that's a big lesson to everyone out there Um, (laughs) please don't let date rapists yeah stop it from happening um so his mom calls him at school and says that he has to come home for good and he can't go back because she can't afford to because of her, the dad right you know, in the she medical can't bills. Run store or something yeah so that gives a like, like a, a more um to his existential crisis i would say you know okay being dragged away from your life to go back to your old life and take care of everyone and become like the i can definitely relate partner. to that yeah um uh, and oh, that's where we see Megan Mullally. Oh, her name is Louise. She's his college girlfriend. Um, she doesn't really seem to give that much of a crap about Jeffrey. <laughs> to tell you the truth, <laughs> he says he's leaving, and she's just like, okay. Uh, she just doesn't seem to like him that much, honestly. No. She's giving him looks the whole time. That, um, and that we also he tells her that he had a stroke or a clot or something like that. Okay. Um, we get to see a little more of Jeffrey's mom and his aunt. Uh-huh. They do like a little duet of Oh My Darling Clementine while they're <laughs> washing dishes. That's an interesting little moment. Um, also, I the first time that we see Jeffrey go to Detective Dad's house before he meets Sandy in this um, lost footage, he meets Sandy's mom first and Sandy and Mike are there. And so he kind of meets her Uh, and she kind of sees Mike out while he's having this conversation with her dad. And then when he leaves is when she comes back and they, but I think it works so much better to have her just come through the trees. Uh, Yeah. It was so much, it was so more like, uh, not really get to know Mike because we don't need to know him. (laughs) Much more like avant-garde and like real, like just artistic and so much cooler. Yeah. Um, We get to see the, the two opening acts for Dorothy at the club. Uh Uh, the first is a dog eating out of a dog food bowl with a spotlight what? on it, and there's a little um, rabbit sign behind it, like a little neon rabbit. Uh-huh. And that's it. Oh. It's All right. Weird. Him, Jeffrey and Sandy are looking at each other like, like what? Um, okay, this is interesting. And 
the second is this weird weird thing where there's a comedian telling really bad jokes uh-huh. there's a two-person band with old men and there's a and they're singing beautiful dreamer okay <laughs> and there's a lady belly dancing on one side <laughs> behind him is a one and a two with a chick a giant chicken and a giant egg sign and they keep switching places like what came first the chicken or the egg oh okay. and he's just telling these horrible jokes and they're like bodom ching and singing Beautiful Dreamer in the interim. It's so odd. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, no wonder they all love Dorothy so much if this is the <laughs> other entertainment they get. <laughs> I was supposed to say, they're like, can we get something that makes sense? Yeah. We get to see um, Jeffrey coming home, and his mother is waiting up for him at night. It's very spooky. It's after mm. that first scene with Isabella Rossellini where he has the, um, the cut, cut on his face, and she really guilts him about, there's got to be rules. You can't come home this late. And... It's just so weird because he's yeah. an adult. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I kind of like that scene not being there. Yeah, it's better to just, you know, not know how crazy his mom is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he gets a phone call from his Louise, his college girlfriend, and she, I think she's saying she's getting married. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay. All right, girl. Everyone in this movie is crazy. Um, <laughs> it was so fast. We also have that, din- oh, that date where they go – in front of the church and park uh-huh. before that he had had dinner with the family according to this last footage and mike uh-huh. was there uh. and so they had like this whole weird night of where mike is like talking about sports the whole time uh-huh. and um they watched this weird thing on television which is called the annual chair pull uh-huh. where it's all these women in ball gowns pulling giant chairs down a track it's very what? bizarre <laughs> All right. um, in an intercut with this, we see his aunt back at home who is on the search for termites because she's convinced <laughs> there's termites in the house, um, which there are. She finds some. Um, <laughs> we get to see Jeffrey call Dorothy at home and Frank picking up. And he just sits there in silence for a little while until oh. he says, Dorothy? And he Frank is like, who's this? And he hangs up real fast and he feels really dumb for that. That might have been an interesting yeah. one to keep in there. Extra um, stakes. We see Frank searching a field for something, which I assume maybe the ear, or I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, we get to see the little note that the aunt left for him with a couple of termites circled, <laughs> like on the page, but circled, like, uh-huh. look, I found them. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we got a couple of scenes with Dorothy. Uh-huh. Um, the second scene where he goes back to her, um, we we never get to like see them make love. It's a very short scene, uh-huh. uh, but this is this really fills it out. So he comes. They're kind of like you know they meet up. She's you know my magical closet elf, and <laughs> um, the door. There's a knock on the door, and it's bad cop showing back up, and she shoves him back into the closet, uh-huh. and the bad cop is basically like, um, yeah, you're sleeping with Frank, so why don't you fuck me too? <laughs> and uh. she kicks him out. Um, so obviously he's he's not a good guy. I mean, he's obviously not good, but he's really not good. No. Um, and she, she has uh, a suicide uh, that gets prevented by Jeffrey, where Ugh. she she says, "Why can't I just die?" Then she takes him to the roof and she throws off one of just a red high heel, uh-huh. and then she like ha- kind of leans on the edge, like she wants like she to wants fly to on the edge. And when she gets close, Jeffrey stops her, and that's when they um, have sex. Oh. And then there's this little nice note right before the credits that's just like, 
Um, if there's anyone who's in the background whose name didn't get put into this credits, Aww. I'm so sorry, but you were all so amazing. And it's just a sweet little note by David Lynch before the credits. And then right afterwards, there's some outtakes, <laughs> which is so funny. <laughs> you never think of outtakes in a David Lynch. No, um, not a movie like this. Get like a little bit with Laura Dern and Kyle MacLachlan and Francis Bay cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... Since I didn't do a deep dive, I didn't really go into the astrology of any particular person, but I just feel that this whole entire movie is chock full of Slytherins and Scorpios. Yeah. So it's just like, you could just classify the whole movie as a Scorpio. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about taboos and the undersurface and what's really going on and being drawn to that. And Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I guess a Slytherin is pretty much yeah. the only thing. Maybe like two Gryffindors. Jeffrey yeah. And... They're like a Harry Potter Gryffindor where they could be Slytherin. Yeah. They're like <laughs> uh, like cusp, I guess yeah. you could say. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> the cusp of Gryffindor and Slytherin. <laughs> yeah. I would say maybe like um, Sandy's, like, I would say she's a solid Gryffindor because she's up for the adventure. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't seem to have that, like, ambitious. She's just is like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm for the, here for the adventure. Yeah. But she doesn't actually person. really want to Loyalty. get into the adventure too much. No, she's like, let me be on the outskirts. Yeah. I'll just help you right. with my knowledge. Okay. And that's that's all we have for Blue Velvet. Um let's say what our do you have what are your final thoughts on the movie? Do you have a Um I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I uh I, it was different than I thought it was going to be. I obviously knew like, you know, crime drama whatever, and it just it took a turn that I didn't it was much more darker than I thought it was going to be in the sense of like uh, like helplessness is what I got from a lot of it and it was just it was hard to watch a lot of parts of it yeah. and it was scary but I thought it was really well done mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would <laughs> um, one thing that I uh, wrote down <laughs> at the end that I forgot to say was that uh, I don't know if you've watched Designing Women before uh, back in the day when it was yeah. on <laughs> <laughs> but I, every time uh uh, Dorothy had that big hair on. I was like, "Is that Elsa Berg?" <laughs> yeah, she just had some big hair. Yeah, it was that big, like fluffy yeah. Southern debutante hair. Like, yeah. I was like, "That's Elsa Berg." Yeah, you could feel the South. Yes, yeah. even though the lumber and it felt kind of Northwest because of the yeah. Twin Peaks reference. But yeah, there was definitely a lot of South in it. <laughs> yeah, I, but I thought it was so funny because I was like, oh, "The hair is just it's so perfect." Yeah. But um, I really enjoyed it. I loved it. Yay. Um, I I loved it too, of course. I love most David Lynch. Um, and it was actually really, I'm glad I came back and revisited it because it had been so long. Obviously, I've forgotten everything that happened. And it's almost like all of Twin Peaks, which is obviously one of my favorite things, but right. like distilled into like this perfect little two-hour pocket movie. <laughs> I mean, it felt so... I mean, it's a normal length in the film movie, but it yeah. felt sh- so short. Yeah, because everything happens so fast. Yeah. And because usually David Lynch is not as good at um, wrapping up all of his ideas. It's such a great little uh-huh. package. Um, but I I loved it. Yeah. And I think it's the perfect contrast with Jane Austen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was to say, like, I at the end of this, I was thinking, I was like, any similarities? And I was like... I feel like these this these two first movies that we did might be a little bit on the opposite. I end. wouldn't say that there's anything specifically that's similar between no, Jane Austen yeah, and David Lynch, but the one thing I do find in both of their work is that there's a lot going on subtextually. Yeah, behind the scenes. Yeah. 
especially, I mean, Jane Austen, you know, it's English. It's very proper. They're all saying what they should be saying and not what yeah. they're thinking. And David Lynch is a little less, um, dial- does it less with dialogue and more with like imagery and just story. Yeah, and like actions. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I guess that's the I, similarity between these first two are behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, but yeah, and I think it's good to have both because I think we would get sick of either one if we just did one week after week or the other. So oh, yeah. I'm glad we've decided to do it like this. give our recommendations for something that else that we love that people might want to enjoy. Okay. Do you have anything in mind? I do. Um, this week it'll be music. Um, there is this Canadian like country alternative artist uh, named Orville Peck. I recently f- um, found out about him um, through his song Turn to Hate and it's just so it's so cool. Like his his voice, and it's so funny that we talked about Roy Orbison. His <laughs> voice is very deep, like Roy Orbison. Mm. Like it sounds a lot like it, and it's like this, like almost like this modern, like but also classic country feel, and it's got this like alternative kind of like undertones. It's just so cool, <laughs> and I love his album is out. It's really it's called Pony, and it's super cool, oh. super super good. I think it's one of my favorite albums so far this year. <laughs> um, and he's got this, like, weird, like, um, I don't know what you would call it, what the word is for it, um, but, like, something that he's known for is he wears these, like, bandit masks that have fringe on them. Oh. So you never see his face. Oh, how mysterious. But it's so cool. Lynchian. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I want to say, don't quote me on this, but I think he's queer because a lot of his songs have, like, that kind of um, reference, and he's friends with a lot of, like, queer artists. Um so but it's just like it's so cool like nice. he's just like this mysterious singer and he's super talented so i would recommend listening to the album it's really good oh i will i always need music res- recommendations because i i'm not good at following music it's just one of those things that yeah. i listen to so many podcasts and books on tape that i don't really search out what's good in music mm-hmm. although roy orbison was one of my very first as oh, a really? child ones wow. that i found on my own that i was like i love this yeah, man. <laughs> I would say yeah. That it, he's just so cool. Like his voice is very similar to Roy Orbison, and it's like this weird mix of alternative, like country. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you would like it. I'll definitely check it out. Um, my recommendation for this week is The Dark Crystal on Netflix, Ooh. the series. Um, I watched the original when I was a kid, and I liked it. I loved it. Um, but this new series is so much more rich and interesting and there's so many great characters and I mean it takes a couple I mean it only takes maybe like 10 minutes to get past the fact that they're puppets that Mm -hmm. so they don't have as much facial expression although they do a really good job of having facial expression Um, but it's just so well done and I love a good Henson and it's got that dark but you know, it's kind of lives in the space between Jane Austen and David Lynch for me. It's like uh-huh, it's that perfect combination light of light and, and dark adventure. And I really loved it. So I definitely recommend checking it out on Netflix. Yeah. And uh, I um I watched the original like a long time ago. Like I barely remember any of it. And I know when it was coming out that I thought to myself, I was like, I should give it another try. Um, and I, 
I know uh, my boyfriend was watching the new one, and I watched some of the episode, and I was like, oh, this looks it looks super cool like it looks so different than the original but the same yeah and there's just like such a cool storyline and so cool how they've developed this like amazing voice cast (laughs) yeah yeah i was looking at the imdb and i was like all these amazing people and the fact that they've built this like cool little fantasy world and it's like so developed it's so cool yeah so i'm definitely gonna get it and i really hope that they do more because you never know with netflix they seem to just at first when netflix first came out it was oh my god i can watch shows that they canceled and they just bring right. him back and now they're just like you liked it yank it away from you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'll never see anymore um but i hope they do more of dark crystal because it was i think it was such excellent. a big hit that they're gonna probably do another season yeah I, i'm sure it's expensive though oh for sure <laughs> i mean but netflix but once you build I'm the sure. puppets it, i mean maybe there's not as much expense after that i'm sure and but netflix has got the budget i'm sure yeah probably so um and that's pretty much it for today what's Lay our contact information out for the people. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't have it in my brain. <laughs> um, you can visit us on our website at mannersofmadness.com. That's where you'll find uh, really all the informational stuff about our podcast, what platform. All our episodes. Yeah, all our episodes, what platforms are available on. And, you know, we're going to be updating it more as we get further into the podcast. So that's really kind of where to stay up to date with more of like the informational stuff with the podcast. Um, you could find us on Twitter at Manners Madness, on Instagram at Manners and Madness Pod, and our Gmail account is Manners and Madness at gmail.com. And we really would love to hear any sort of suggestions you have or what you like, what you don't like, and really just want to hear from you. See what you like about the podcast. So <laughs> let us know. Yes, please. Drop us a line. Let us know what your thoughts are. And rate and review and subscribe on your pod catcher of choice (laughs) yes yes please review 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 yes um thank you so much we will see you next week with the with sensibility right either pride and prejudice or sense and sensibility we have not decided which one is coming (laughs) next it depends on our guest but um but it'll definitely be jane austen it'll be one of those two of the major motion picture versions so we hope you'll come back and join us next time Yes. Banners of Madness. Thank you. See you then. Good night.